Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning, and good. thank you for everyone who's joining us online, too. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name's Tyson. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here on the team at Callwood Church. And uh, as we get started this morning, I want to start off by asking you a question. Have you ever been so deeply welcomed that it impacted you? Have you ever been welcomed either by someone or somewhere, and it impacted you? In 2009, I had the privilege to go to Nepal with two of my friends to volunteer for three months. And as we got into the country of Nepal, we spent a few days in Kathmandu to kind of get settled and to take a few language courses. And it was, we had an, a couple days to explore the city too. And one of the things that we did during those days is we got a chance to actually go into a few different shops all around. And we came to this one jewelry shop with so many beautiful stones and necklaces. And, and we got a chance to kind of chat with the store owner. And we, we hit it off with him. He started asking us, where are you from? How long are you here for? Uh, what's your purpose of being here? And we started chatting with him and we just really connected with him. And we didn't buy anything, but he invited us back the next day to come and to talk with him some more and to hang out and to, to connect some more. And the next day when we came back, he actually sent someone out to go get some chai. Now, if you don't know what chai is, it's a delicious Nepali and Indian drink where they, they make chai tea, put some milk in it, and a delicious amount of sugar in it. It's unreal. It was a game changer. But he sent someone out to go get this chai so that we could just sit and have a conversation. He, he didn't know us. We were strangers, but he welcomed us in, and he cared about us. He wasn't rushed or hurried. He spent time to just sit with us and to hear our stories and we got a chance to hear his story. He welcomed us into his store, but more than that, the welcome that we received made us feel welcomed in the country of Nepal. That's what a good welcome can do. It can impact us deeply. And maybe as I asked that question today, a story came up in your mind of somewhere that you felt so welcomed. For all of us this morning, the beautiful thing is you and I have received a welcome even greater than that today. We've received a welcome into the family of God. The love of Jesus has given us the ability to be called children of God, and we've been welcomed into the new family of God, which means no matter how healthy or dysfunctional your family that you came from on this earth is, you are welcomed into a brand new family today, and you have been welcomed into that family if you've never heard this before, here's a brief kind of synopsis of the Christian message. We were created in the image of God to share his love and his life with this world. And yet through sin and brokenness, we have had that image distorted and we've become estranged from each other, estranged from God. But in our estrangement, God didn't leave us as strangers, but instead Jesus came to this earth to make a way so that we could be in right relationship with him and with each other. God didn't leave us as strangers, but he drew close to us to welcome you and I into the family of God. And now we have the ability to share this welcome with others. We get to be a part of the kingdom of God welcoming committee here and now. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a surprise birthday before, but everyone just stands there and jumps and says, surprise, and you're a part of that welcoming committee. Well, we get to be that for people here and now, welcoming them into the family of God right here and right now. 
So today, when you walk into this place, you may feel unworthy or unloved, but you are loved and welcomed to join God's family today, no matter what your background or your story. Ultimately, this idea of welcome is all summed up in the word that we're going to be talking about today of hospitality. Now, if you haven't been with us during this series, we are in a sermon series called One Another, where we are looking at the one another statements from Scripture when you come to the Christian faith and say yes to following Jesus, you, you may come as an individual, but you join into a community. Whether you realized it or not, you join into a church family and a community worldwide of followers of Jesus. Look at the person to your left. Look at the person to your right. You're in it with them. <laughs> you didn't ask for it. <laughs> you might think that they smell. I don't know, whatever. Hopefully you all showered as you came in today. But we come into a community when we say yes to following Jesus. And that's where the one another statements are so important because our community is supposed to be unique and supposed to be different. Our community is supposed to be shaped by Jesus. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were encouraged by Pastor Sean that instead of holding bitterness, instead of holding on to grudges, we are called to forgive one another. Pastor Kenny challenged and encouraged us that instead of spreading division, anxiety, or fear, we are called to bring peace to one another. Last week, Donna Pichet brought an incredible message challenging us and encouraging us to build one another up, to encourage one another. Donna, I can't tell you how many times this week your praise to criticism ratio of five words of praise to every one word of criticism has stopped me from opening my mouth and saying something that I regret. We are called to build one another up and to encourage one another. And today we come to this topic of hospitality. Here's how 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10 puts it. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Romans 12, 13 puts it this way. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, when I say the word hospitality, what comes to your mind? Food. With you, Josh. Food. Food is something that comes to my mind. Maybe it's, it's someone that you know who's just got this incredible gift of when you go into their home, they just make you feel so welcomed. They had your favorite food ready to go. They, they had their home cleaned and, and it's looking good. Maybe for some of us today, that when you say the word of hospitality, what comes to mind is this hotel that you went to one time where they knew your name at the front desk and they had everything laid out, set up in your room for you with like maybe even a welcome card welcoming you to the hotel. As I was studying for this sermon, I came across a hotel that I think we have to stay at if we get to go back to LA next. It's called the Magic Castle Hotel. And at the poolside, they have a phone for popsicles. I kid you not, beside the pool, there's a phone that you pick up and you just say what flavor of popsicle you want and they bring it out to you on a tray. Talk about a welcoming crew, that's amazing. When we say the word hospitality, we may come in with different ideas, but the New Testament word of hospitality is philoxenos and it means the love of a guest or a stranger. It's about being generous to guests or strangers. Hospitality at its core is extending the welcome of Jesus to strangers. It's about opening up your home and your life to friends 
and those who are not yet friends. This is actually not a new idea either. This is something that has marked the church since the very beginning. In Acts chapter 2, we find a passage that gives us a great summary of what the early church focused on. In verse 42, it starts by saying this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs they performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who, need, who was in need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Now, we can sometimes fast forward past this next part because it's so simple and so plain. But listen to this. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church shaped their life of following Jesus around the, prospect, around the practice of hospitality. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. How many of you here this morning, if you were to be honest, food is a love language for you? Anyone? Anyone with me? Come on. When I'm eating a meal, usually I'm thinking about the next meal that's coming already. Anybody? When I get through the main course, I'm thinking about the dessert that's coming. And when I'm eating the dessert that's coming, I'm already thinking about the next flavor I'll try next time. I love food. It's so good. And maybe some of you are like, maybe you should love food a little bit less, but that's a conversation for another time. The earliest Christians opened their homes and their tables to people from all backgrounds, which made them unique in the first century. In the first century, who you ate with was a big deal. It was who you associated with, and it had an effect on your reputation. We see this clearly with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus calls Matthew to follow him, and here's what it says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Now, for most of us, we don't have a visceral reaction when we hear the words tax collector. You may not have a great relationship with the CRA, but none of us have a visceral response of, of, of disgust. But that would have been what the Jewish audience in that time frame would have had because the tax collectors were their Jewish brothers and sisters who were working for the oppressors. They were working for the Romans and taking money from their brothers and sisters who were Jewish to give to the Roman Empire. And sometimes they would skim a little bit extra off the top for themselves. So to this traitor, to the, their brothers and sisters, Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus ate with a crew of tax collectors and disreputable sinners. And it caused the religious people around him to ask, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Jesus' reputation was at stake, and we see that elsewhere in Scripture, he gets a reputation for being known as a glutton and a drunkard because of who he opens his table up to. 
Jesus' reputation was one of being a glutton and a drunkard. And the amazing thing is Jesus was less worried about his reputation than he was about welcoming people to the family of God. Jesus kept his focus on the mission and he was less worried about his own reputation than he was about welcoming people to the family of God. Where other people's tables were closed to people who held similar religious or ethical beliefs, to people of similar political stature, to people of similar socioeconomic stature, Jesus opened his table to people from all sorts of backgrounds, even when it cost him his reputation. To Jesus, the welcome was worth it. So let me ask you this today. How open is your table? Who do you welcome to your table? Is it just people who look like you, think like you, and dress like you? Or is your table open to different people from different backgrounds? This open table philosophy seems to have spread to Jesus' first followers too. They held eating together at the table and meeting together in homes in such high regards that it makes that summary list out of Acts chapter 2 that we read just a moment ago. They lived life together, sharing meals around the table, and it was a central part of their faith expression. And when we pause to reflect, we see that the table has a central part to our faith, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the table of the Passover meal has a central place. And in the New Testament, the table of communion has a central place. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright captures the centrality of the table by saying, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory, he gave them a meal. When I break this bread and give it to you, remember my broken body for you. When I give you this cup, remember my blood that was spilled for you. One of the most important moments of our faith is in a home centered around a table. I love that. And this is the invitation to all of us today to open our homes and our lives to welcome guests and strangers and to allow our homes and tables to be spaces where others can experience the welcome of God. Now, maybe when I say that, the first thing that comes to your mind is not, yes, where do I sign up? For those of you who have the gift of hospitality, maybe that is your first response. You're like, yeah, I can't wait to open my home and have people in it and provide for guests. But for some of you, your immediate thought might be, that would be nice, but I don't have time for something like that. One of the biggest hindrances today to living a life with others is how full we pack our schedules. As a result of our full lives, hospitality can take a back seat on our calendars because we simply don't feel that we have time for it. Here's the thing, though. As full as our schedules may feel, I, I do think that you have time for it. Here's a quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle that I came across this week that gets at what I mean. You have time for what you choose to have time for. I am convinced that we have to stop talking about our calendars like it is some kind of runaway freight train that we are just a passenger on. We talk about our schedules like we had no say and it's just going and uh, we hope it goes in a direction that we want. For everything that is on your calendars and everything that is in your schedules, you had to say yes at some time. 
We talk about our calendars and our schedules like we have no agency or choice in it, and I'm convinced that we have to stop doing that. We have a choice, and what we make time for is what we choose to have time for. Now, I know people in the room today will all have different levels of white space in their calendar. Some of us have more more responsibilities day to day and week to week than other people in the room, and our white space may differ. I'm not trying to say this is a one-size-fits-all approach. I know for me, when, since adding our son to the equation six months ago, my white space in my calendar has decreased. I have more responsibility at home. But what this time has caused me to do is to reevaluate how I do spend the white space in my calendar. And that's all I'm asking you to do today. The answer, my friends, is not more time. Sometimes we can believe that. If I just had more time, then I could be hospitable. The truth is we all have the same 24 hours in the day. The answer is not more time. And the reality is if you were given an extra four hours in your day, you would probably fill it with the same things you fill the other 24 with. The answer is not more time. The answer is prioritizing what matters most. You might not think that you have time to be hospitable, but if we were going to get really honest and if no one else was listening, maybe what it would mean is one less night of Netflix or Disney Plus in a week. (laughs) Just if we're going to be really honest. We have time for what we choose to have time for. Will you choose to have time for hospitality? Another hindrance that I've heard that is often brought up when we talk about this topic of hospitality is I hear people say things like, my house isn't big enough, my space isn't big enough, or my space isn't clean enough, it's messy, or I'm not a good chef or a good cook, I don't know what to to make for other people if they come over. This feeling is what I call the hindrance of perfectionism. What we have to offer is never good enough for somebody else. And this is where I found the reminder from Adele Albert Calhoun so helpful. Hospitality is not about impressing others with well-decorated homes and gourmet cooking. It's not simply for the gifted or those with clean homes. Neither is it just for women. Hospitality is a way of loving our neighbor in the same way God has loved us. Hospitality is all about loving our neighbors. To get back to our definition of hospitality, it is the love of a guest or a stranger. It's not about what you don't have, it's about what you do have. Here's how Victoria Dewerstock put it. Biblical hospitality doesn't require anything from us beyond a willingness to take anything that God has given us and present it as available for someone else. You might not have a mansion, you might not be a Michelin star chef, don't worry about it. That's focusing on what you don't have. What do you have? What has God put into your hands and into your life that you can serve someone else? What can you offer back and present it as available for somebody else? I hope and pray that we don't let the lie of perfectionism stop us from opening our lives and our homes to being hospitable and offering the welcome and the love of God to somebody else. Welcoming others to the family of God through hospitality is the invitation we are all given today. Now, if I were preaching this message two years ago, I would probably wrap up our sermon right now and encourage you to invite someone into your home and your space this week. 
but I can't stop there today. Instead, I've got to address the elephant in the room that is the pandemic that we are living in. To be honest with you, I really wish that I didn't have to talk about this. We have enough hindrances to hospitality in our life, like busyness and perfectionism, that we don't need another one, let alone one as big as COVID. But as I prayed about this while preparing for today, I do feel a responsibility to address something that I am seeing that that affects how we think about this idea of hospitality in this season ahead. We all might be asking, how do we do this during a pandemic? How do we open up our homes and our lives and be hospitable during this time in this season? I'll be honest, I don't have a one-size-fits answer that fits everyone's context and life situation. This is a complex discussion with a lot of nuances to it. Some of us in the church community are vaccinated while others are not. And as I've sat with and talked with people from our church congregation, I've realized the possibility that vaccination can have to divide us as a church family. There are people who are strongly convinced on both sides of this conversation. Some believe that the vaccine is not necessary or worse, wrong to take, while others look at those who don't want to take the vaccine and want to distance themselves as they deem them unsafe. There are a whole host of reasons that I've come across for people holding these beliefs, and I'm not here this morning to argue the merits of different beliefs in this conversation. Here is my primary concern as a pastor today. Among followers of Jesus, during this time, I have rarely heard Jesus mentioned in these conversations. I've listened as people point to articles and Facebook posts and experts, all of which can be good and helpful in these difficult times. Do not misunderstand me. We should listen to experts and seek to be, mis- seek to be informed. But it concerns me if slowing down to listen to the voice of Jesus is not our first step in how we process this season ahead. As followers of Jesus, when we come to a situation like the pandemic, my invitation to us today is to first ask, how does looking at this through the lens of Jesus shape my decisions? What would Jesus call me to do? What does his example show me? I'll be honest, I've felt this tension in my life over this last year and a half and how I've processed this pandemic. In certain moments, it's been easy for me to look at things through the lens of safety or through the lens of my freedoms, or even, if we're being honest, through the lens of my fear at times. There have been times over this last year and a half where I've probably allowed each one of those voices to speak loudest. But here's my plea for all of us today. Please, come back to prayerfully asking Jesus first what you should do. As his people, we need to come back to his life and his teachings and his spirit and ask how we, he would navigate this difficult time. To take it one step further, we need to ask not just what Jesus would do, but how Jesus would hold his beliefs. We see in scripture that a result of the fruit of the spirit is peace, kindness, gentleness. If your beliefs are acting you to, or if your beliefs are causing you to act in a way that is not aligned with peace and kindness and gentleness, you are acting in another spirit that is not aligned with the Holy Spirit on this issue. 
safety, wisdom, and freedom all matter, and they are good things. But please, as you approach the season ahead where there is so much room for division, allow the lens of Jesus to be the first one that you look through as you approach other peoples and as you approach decisions in this season ahead. Come first to Jesus. This is the Jesus who ate with people that he disagreed with. This is the Jesus who ate with people who damaged his reputation. This is the Jesus who reached out and touched lepers. This is the Jesus who laid down his rights and freedoms and even his life for you and for me. This is who we are called to follow. He challenges all of us today. Jesus, friends, is what unites us. And my hope and my prayer is that we as a people would let love lead the way in the season ahead. Because as we read out of 1 Peter today, love covers a multitude of sins. Please don't allow this pandemic or vaccinations or mask mandates to divide us. Let love speak the loudest. In an increasingly divided world, my hope and my prayer is that you would allow your home and your table to be a place of hospitality, a place that brings welcome, unity, and healing. Healing of division, healing of broken relationships, healing of broken lives with the good news of Jesus. That is the power that Christian hospitality can have. We get to join with God in welcoming guests and strangers into our lives so they can experience the family of God. Will you join me in praying and asking God what hospitality can look like for you in the season ahead? I don't have the answers what it's going to look like for all of us because we all have different stories and situations, but will you pray in the season ahead about how you can be hospitable and open up your lives and your homes so that others may experience the welcome of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have welcomed us to your family. No matter how unworthy we may feel, Lord, no matter how distant or far from God we may feel, you are the God who runs towards us with open arms and an embrace like the father in the parable of the prodigal son. Thank you, God, that as we turn towards you, you have already turned towards us and you welcome us home. And so, God, today, where a whole host of other voices can be loudest in our lives, I pray that we would come back to that still, small voice of listening to you first. Give us wisdom in the days ahead, Lord. Help us to love and serve each other well as your people in Colwood Church. And Jesus, allow your voice to speak loudest to each one of us. God, help us to know how we can be hospitable with one another in the season ahead. God, you are good, and we are so grateful for your incredible love for us. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us this morning, church. Uh, if you're brand new to faith or you're wondering about what following Jesus is all about, one of our pastors would love to have a conversation with you as you start this journey. You can text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113 and we'll be in touch with you and we'd love to, to follow up and connect with you about following Jesus. Well, church, have an amazing week ahead and uh, I pray that you would offer the welcome and the love of Jesus to everyone you come into contact with this week. Have a great week, church.